Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive illumination by your Spirit. We ask that you open our eyes to behold wondrous truths from your word. We receive the spirit of revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of you that we are forever changed and Jesus alone is glorified. For in Jesus' name we have worshipped. Amen, amen, and amen. Glory to God. All right, so last week, Wednesday, we started a brand new conversation on masking on belief, on masking on belief, and we'll get straight into our text. If you are just joining us here, welcome. Those of us who were here last week, Wednesday, I want to encourage you to make our time to revisit, all right, but please get ready to enjoy the meal, all right, that the Father has prepared for us this evening. Our anchor text is Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 6, and we read from verse 1, permit me also to read from verse 1 this evening, straight this time, all right, no pauses, glory to God, mm. It says, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of this. We broke this down in the part one. That there is a possibility that the all-powerful God makes a promise that has a name written on it. And that person comes short of entering into the fullness of it. Which scriptures refer to as rest. In verse 2 it says, For unto us the good news, the gospel was preached as well as unto them. It says, but the word released, preached, it did not profit them. There was no gain, there was no change, there was no transformation, there was no difference. Everything that happened everywhere else happened there. Everything that happens to everyone happens to them. No advantage, no difference, nothing, no leverage. It says that it did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed, do enter into rest. That is the answer to, so how do you enter into rest? For we, which have believed, do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although, boy, please, I want you, child of God, to settle down and pay attention this evening. What we're about to enter into is powerful, it's training, it's, it's loaded, not long. <laughs> it's loaded, but not long. You know, after the service last week, my wife sent me a message. She said, such a powerful teaching and short too. I got the message on the short part. So let's see how the Lord is going to help us this evening. Someone say glory to God. Hmm. It says, I have, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Isn't that encouraging? What you've been invited to is settled. The, the one was, boy, let's go on. Verse 4. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Verse 5, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Please, I want you to pay attention. Our main core anchor is in verse 6. Seeing therefore, it remains 
that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not because of unbelief. Boy, thank you, precious Holy Ghost. I pray for you again that you will be part of those who will enter into the reality and the fullness of everything written and settled concerning you from the foundations of the world in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to give us a recap of the definition of unbelief that we were exposed to last week, Wednesday. We learned by the leading of the Spirit that unbelief is a state of the heart. It is a heart condition. And I'm going to literally, my assignment this evening is to walk us through scriptures, number one, to give us spiritual intelligence, number two, and to actually pull you to a place of confidence, number three, for you to see that it is, it is, it is, they throw parties, there is a, there is, there is a real carnival in the camp of the enemy. Whenever God's children can partner. Can you remember what you read last week? All the great things from Mark chapter 5. Very little could be done in Mark 6. It says he did no mighty works. No mighty works. So we said unbelief is a state of the heart. Expressed by words and thoughts in a moment of testing. In a period of reckoning or adversity directly or indirectly asserting that God's word isn't true and that his integrity is questionable. I know you are not hearing this for the first time, but please, I just want to read it one more time. It's going to form the basis for the conversation we're about to have this evening. Unbelief is a state of the heart expressed by words and thoughts in a moment of testing in a period of reckoning, in a season of adversity, and the words and thoughts ultimately communicate one thing, whether it says it directly or it says it indirectly, that communication is that God's word isn't true. Remember, it tells us in Hebrews, even though it was settled from the foundations of the world, and that is integrity, is questionable. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Mm. Wow, there's so much light being sent our way this evening. So much light. I pray for you that you'll see it. In the name of Jesus. The real question we want to answer as we build towards answering that question this evening. I can see someone still moving around. Please settle down. The real question we want to answer is, how is it possible to believe and still operate in unbelief. Like the father of that boy said to Jesus, I believe, Master, help thou my unbelief. We are, we are really doing a real unmasking this evening. Somebody say glory to God. But as we build towards answering that question, I just want to settle this, that the definition of unbelief we just received is not a man of God being creative, no. It's a very powerful description that you and I must pay attention to. What are my words? What are my thoughts communicating in a period of testing? 
in a season of reckoning, in a period of adversity, when what I see on my outside does not match what the word that has been settled from the foundation says, what am I communicating with my words? What am I communicating with my thoughts? Am I directly or indirectly asserting that God's word is true or that God's word is false? Am I directly or indirectly communicating that the integrity of the one who has spoken is questionable? Or am I able to hold on to the word and say, let God be true? It is very easy, hear me now, especially Christianese speaking church folks, to declare how good and how wonderful God is when everything is a smooth sail. But because God's plan is for us to enter into the fullness of his rest, it is a place where you are completely unshakable. It's not a place where the waters are still. It is a place where you can sleep in the storm. Our concept of rest is warped and, and, and weaponized by the enemy. That rest means no challenges. Rest means no problems. No, rest means you have, you have overcome. You have become superior to everything. Rest means that a storm might be brewing on the outside. You have your, your, your pillow intact, sleeping calmly. That you know too well that the one who said we are going to the other side, it wasn't joking. How we will get there, this storm did not get the memo. There is a kind of person God is molding us to become. And I want to show you that that definition didn't fall from the roof. It is very scriptural. Romans chapter 10. Thank you, precious Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 10 is a scripture you know. I believe you know. It's a scripture we quote Usually when the conversation is on salvation, and that is 100% correct and in context. I want us to allow the author of scriptures shine a light, which I am going to be saying a lot this evening. Let's bring a Holy, Holy Ghost floodlight and look again into this. Because there are some fruits that are buried in this life. He says it is in his light that we see light. So let's go to Romans chapter 10, and I'm going to read from verse 8 to verse 10. He says, but what does it say? This is the Apostle Paul instructing the church in Rome, but this is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and to me today. He says, but what does it say? The word is near you. We are getting into it now. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, boy. These are two powerful locations that shape the life of a man, that shape the life of a family, that shapes a ministry. The word in your mouth and the word in your heart. The word in your mouth and the word in your heart. Oh boy, someone is going to be changed this evening. In the mighty name of Jesus, it says that is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, it says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart is giving us insights on how the heart learns to believe that the heart believes by the words from the mouth all right that God raised him from the dead you will be saved it says in verse 10 which is a a scriptural stamp to show you that unbelief really is a state of the heart in fact the Lord told me and I can say this, if you want us to exploit a bit more, we could. The Lord told me that the physical equivalent of unbelief in the natural is heart failure. 
Unbelief is actually heart failure. Now, if you want to say, PD, we know you're a doctor. Can you tell us a bit about heart failure? You will be shocked how much <laughs> about unbelief you, you will come to understand. So, you see, when God begins to call doctors, call pharmacists, call lawyers, with all your education, you know it is not for a waste. <laughs> it is never a waste. <laughs> Somebody say glory to God. Mm. Verse 10, Romans chapter 10 and verse 10. For with the heart one believes, also with the heart unbelief takes place. It is a posture of the heart that the predominant words confessed have not been words of life. It is the word in the mouth and the word in the heart. Don't worry, we are going to break it down. It says, and with the mouth confession is made immediately shows you that there are two locations and there is a connection. There is the mouth and there is the heart. This is not talking about your physical, buccal, oral cavity and your cardium that is pumping blood. No, it's talking about real spiritual locations here. There is a confessing faculty. There is a thought-releasing faculty and there is a heart-processing faculty that has the ability and whose primary function is either to believe or to unbelieve. Somebody say glory to God. Hmm. Your mouth and your heart. Your mouth and your heart. So when the man says, I believe, boy, you know, we are going to break down that story this evening. I believe. Help my unbelief. Now that we know the location of unbelief, it is in the heart. When he was saying, I believe, he was saying that there's a place in my head. Mentally, I am in agreement. Deep down in my heart, there is no conviction. When there is a disconnect between your head and your heart, when there is a disconnect, your, your head can agree. I am blessed. I know the scriptures. It is my month. It is my year. You know, your, your, your mouth is saying things that have not successfully been transferred to a place of conviction. Hmm. Those who are into computers and engineering, they will tell you that there is a working memory and there is a storage file. It's a picture, boy. I hope someone will be able to understand this. It is a picture that there is a working memory. And the real duty, boy, the real duty of a profitable working memory is to commit as much as possible to the real storage. That is where conviction lies. Because if you shut off that device, if you shut off that device where only what has been captured is in the working memory, in the realm of the mind only, I've been exposed to the word. Yes, the message sounded nice. I accept what God is saying. I believe all those propositions. I will make all those confessions. I will fast. I will pray. But somewhere in your heart, there has not been a translocation. There has not been a conversion from information in the head to revelation in the heart. He's saying all you need is a period of reckoning. All you need is a moment of adversity to really, really show us that I believe. Help thou my unbelief. The word is near thee in your mouth and in your heart. Do you know how powerful that is? Do you know how powerful that is? Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, that chapter literally begins with 
the usual suspects, the Pharisees, they were bothered. What kind of Jesus is this? They had lots, lots of issues with him. The way they will have lots of issues with us. As we begin to contend for the verities of this kingdom life, this life of dominion. So they came to Jesus and said, what's up with your disciples behaving anyhow? What they didn't want to say is you and your disciples. But Jesus got, he got what they were really saying. Say you guys want to eat, you just start eating. You don't do the usual ceremonial washing. And Jesus said, wow, you guys don't get it. Do you really think it is what a person eats that defiles him? And then Jesus gives them a response and begins to talk about matters. Then Peter came. Say, Jesus, please don't move on. We can't leave this matter like this. I want to pray before that. So that leads us to verse 15. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 15. Then Peter said to Jesus, explain this parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Jesus, <laughs> the way we know the law, the way it is captured in the Torah, there are some things that really, if we eat them, we, we should be defiled. There are some things that if we touch them, we, we become unclean and should easily be outside the, tent, the, the, the camp for a while. Jesus, what are you saying? Peter is asking, what do you mean by the mouth is not boy? Boy, boy, boy. And we are getting into it now. Look at what Jesus says. He says, don't you understand yet? As light not dawned yet, can't you see that your mouth now, if you are writing down, your mouth is not a tool for feeding. Beyond the feeding of the mouth must be the word in your mouth. Because the word that isn't in your mouth will not be settled as the storage faculty conviction in your heart. So Jesus says, anything you eat passes through your stomach, goes into the sewer. He's saying that there is a digestive tract and there is an assimilation revelation tract. Both are connected to your mouth. If all you're doing with your mouth is eating, boy, somebody's seeing it now. Matthew 4 is coming alive. Man shall not live by bread alone. He's saying that the pathway your mouth is connected must not be bread alone, but by every word. So every real mouth that will walk in the fullness of God's plan for their lives must be doing two things. Not if you are doing one, bread alone. You've set up yourself. Just, just, just it's, it's a matter of time. The real belief and conviction in your heart will show up. I don't know if you can sense this thing is burning on my inside. Which is why when people come out and say, you know what, I, I'm beginning to question, you know, this church thing. You know, I have questions about the modern day church. I don't think I can really continue with this faith. The, 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 the diagnosis is that it was never the word in your heart. It didn't get there. Oh, you sang songs, you released albums, you preached messages, you spoke about lofty things from God's word, but that's all that it was. When Jesus was saying that really, we are not designed, the man is, is, is not talking about the gender now, he's saying that humankind that will do dominion on earth cannot afford to use their mouth as a tool for food alone. He's saying that there is another core primary responsibility. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 15. Verse 17 says it, it, it will go through that tract or Verse 18, the words you speak come from the heart. So it immediately shows you now, I wish I had a, a chart to draw it. It's, it's two-way street. The first one is one way, unless you want to throw up. 
apologies to people who might have food near them. You shouldn't be doing bread <laughs> during <laughs> every word, all right? But please, apologies to you. Um, but you get it. Ideally, it is designed to be one way for the bread part. But for the spirit transaction, it is two ways. It's a two-way tract. Someone is remembering what we discussed during our series on meditation, biblical meditation on God's word. Now, it's a two-way tract. The word in your mouth, assimilated, digested, meditated upon, prayed through, conviction built in the heart. The heart now begins to release words. Jesus says that if you want to really check for defilement, if you want to scan for belief or unbelief, if you want to tell those who will enter into rest or the some that will not enter into it, Jesus is saying that the way to check is not to check what they ate last. It's not to check their physical food or their bread menu. It says what you really should be checking is their every word menu. That two-way street of heart to head, head to heart. Words in your mouth, words in your heart. Confession with the mouth, believing with the heart. It says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That is really what defiles. If their true concern is defilement, they will not be bothered about washing of hands. They will be concerned about the deliberate confession, insistence on the words of life, ensuring that everything you are saying, everything you are living, and every outflow from that heart is the life that every word has produced. Somebody say glory to God. Hmm. So he says in verse 19, For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality. It is from the heart. Boy, please do not miss next week Wednesday. We are going to go into the nitty gritty of PD's day hope. How can I begin to reprogram the content of my heart? Because this verse 19, <laughs> PD, it sounds like you are talking about my heart. The kind of thoughts, the kind of words, the kind of things I say in moments of pressure. Even me myself, I'm shook. <laughs> Sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. He said these are the things that really defile. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you, boy. Jesus was a real, real, real transformational <laughs> revolutionary. How do you think the Jews would have taken that? So all the washing we've been washing for <laughs> generations, it will just come like that and just break it, yes. Because there's a real washing of the word, which is the renewal of the mind. The Jews decided to pack with the shadow when the reality had come. It is true that washing is important, but that washing is a renewal of the mind. It is true that there are things that can defile, but it is not, it is not in the content of the bread pathway. It is in the content of the every word pathway, and it is a two-way street. You feed on words, the words that is near you. You confess it and reprogram it. You move it from your ram into your, what's the other one called now? Random access to the one that is the real hard disk storage there. That is conviction. Even if the house is burnt, he says that the, the computer is lost. You can open it up and bring out the hard disk and say we lost nothing. Boy, I'm not talking about computers anymore. I'm talking about the believer. The one who has God's word planted in the heart. Take everything away. 
Oh, why is it a good man, a man of God, a God fearing? All of he's saying there's something in my heart that cannot be born. There's something in my heart that is indestructible. I did not leave my entire life secrets in the working memory when a power surge can take it off. No, he says I ensured that it was well saved in the hard disk, which is the seat of conviction. I believe God. He's too faithful to fail. He's too faithful to disappoint me. He's proving himself over and over and over and over again. There is nothing he cannot do. If he has said it, he has a track record of keeping his word. Those are the convictions. You can sing it and not mean it. I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I, I, I know he is a provider. I'm just struggling with the, you know, how? How long? I have questions. How long? Boy. We are getting into the real meat. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. This portion of scripture, we've touched it before. I believe the Spirit of God left it till this very moment for us to do a real unmasking. Because the topic here, Jesus was a situational teacher. He, he, he addressed topics based on situations, locations. The real matter that the master was dealing with here was unbelief. Remember, he had sent his disciples out in previous places. They knew what it was to heal the sick and to cast out devils. But Jesus was showing them here that there is a place of rest you can enter into. You are going to need your convictions settled. So the story is captured in all the Gospels. We are going to the Gospel of Mark here. It is believed by Bible scholars that the Gospel according to Mark was recounted to him by the Apostle Simon Peter. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration had experienced and moved, boy, glory literally in communication with Moses and with Elijah. And we were told according to scriptures that Peter, James, and John were with him. Now he's returning back to the disciples. And he meets a multitude. He literally returns to a show. To be fair, we don't know if Peter, James, and or John could have done anything in that situation. But the master uses it to show you and I so many things. So let's go to God's word now that we understand the background and the context. Verse 14, Mark chapter 9 from verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude. He saw a great crowd. He says, and around them, the scribes, they were disputing. They were arguing. Child of God, hear me. The, 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 the audacity and the mammoth monster called unbelief. If we don't begin to deal with it, we are going to live a Christianity of discussions and arguments. We are going to gather crowds and there will be no miracles. There will be no demonstration of power. There will be no mighty works done. He says that he saw a crowd. The scribes were there. I would have expected to see them glorifying God. I would have expected to see people entering into their rest. I would have expected men to bring their children sick, tormented, and then the disciples representing and showing forth the glory of God. He says, but there were crowds, but what was going on was arguments. What was going on was disputings. Does God still heal? I thought your master did a miracle last week. Is this thing once a month? Is this thing once a year? Is this thing guesswork? Is the, are there moments when this thing glitches? 
They were disputing when they should have been manifesting glory. That is what unbelief causes. And I pray for you as I pray for myself that our lives will not be ones of disputes. Our lives will not be ones of arguments. When the crowds gather, our lives will be lives of glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. It says in verse 15, immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. Picture this. We are going on, a, on an adventure. So Jesus asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Like, what's going on here? Remember, he has just returned from the Mount of Transfiguration. Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, Master, I brought you, my son. Please follow. We are, not, we are not glossing over this evening. We are unmasking. I brought you, my son. So when this man left his house, boy, boy, ah, when this man left his house, he had a word. This is where Jesus will be. Jesus heals. Jesus saves. Jesus does great miracles. He sets the captives free. He, he heard of the promise that there is a rest you can enter into. That this child's appointment at the neurology clinic can come to an end. These convulsions can come to an end. This is where Jesus is. And hear me, we are not really talking about faith, but conviction in the heart is what feeds into true Bible faith. When the corresponding instruction is acted upon, but we are going to get to that in part four. The bridge between belief and faith. They are not synonyms. It's in English language <laughs> that they are synonyms. The man says, I brought you, my son. Scripture makes it obvious. Look into your Bibles and check the you. It, is, it, it didn't come for the disciples. It didn't come for the multitudes, for the crowd. He heard about Jesus. Something he had heard. Now, you see, your response in the moment of adversity will give us the feedback whether that word stopped in your head or if that word made it to your heart. The power surges of life, the challenges, the moments of reckoning of life will let us know whether that was working memory or if you had stored it in your hard drive. I brought you, you know, I just couldn't move beyond this. I brought you, my son. There was something the man had when this journey started. It was Jesus that was the target. I brought you, my son. It says he has a mute spirit. Other versions call it a deaf and dumb spirit. It says, and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. It foams at the mouth, it gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. It says, so I spoke to your disciples. This almost sounds like reporting. That they should cast it out, but they could not. Remember, I heard about Jesus and brought the boy to Jesus. I met the disciples and they could not cast it out. You know, I said there's intelligence here. Unbelief, like a tiny seed, grows very quickly in the absence of faith. It, 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 it swells, it, it gains audacity, it gains capacity for intimidation in the absence of real conviction. I left my house, my faith, or let's say belief level, don't worry, we will differentiate it, was on 
Jesus is not around. Okay, dropped from 100 to like 90. These are his disciples. Anyways, where's Peter? Scan. Peter not here. James not here. John. Those are the three main guys. The main associates. Okay. So, pastor not around. Associates not around. Cell, pa cell pastor around. Scanning. Oh, cell pastor is around. Cell pastor is not around. Okay. Brethren. Disciples. You, you can see the thing dropping. <laughs> dropping. He said they could not cast it out. You know, part of what is going on here is that this man was trying to infect Jesus. This man was trying to transmit something. And Jesus knows that, see, your words now, in this moment of adversity, are showing us directly or indirectly the true state of your heart. So you are telling me now they could not do it. <sighs> Hear me. This is the intel here. You know, when people show up to you and say, PD, please, I want you to pray for me. And P.D. says, let us pray. Father, in the name of G, as P.D. said, G, he said, P.D., wait. I just want you to know, before I came to you, I've gone to this place. Okay. I've gone to also that prayer mountain. Okay. I've gone to prophet. Do you know? I know. Ah, of course, I'm an amazing man. I've gone to him too. Okay. Now, when they now tell you all of that, <laughs> really what they are saying is, Whatever it is you intend to do differently, be sure it is very different. <laughs> because these are all the others that have tried. Boy, but no, my Jesus. I love the response of Jesus. And that is how you begin to clip the wings of unbelief wherever and whenever you see it. Jesus answered and said, verse 19, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Look at that audacity. It says, bring him to me. I love that. Boy, God is raising a generation of bring him to me. Oh, this situation is getting hopeless. Bring it to me. Don't tell me all the other places you've gone in unbelief. Don't tell me all the actions that have failed. Don't tell me all the scriptures. We fasted and we prayed. You know, that is an indictment that Christians have learned to say today. We fasted and we prayed. What do you mean you fasted? What do you mean you, you prayed? What did you do? How did you do it? What was the state of your mouth? What was the state of your heart? You can fast in unbelief. You can pray in unbelief. You can declare in unbelief. Jesus says, bring him to me. Don't, 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 don't give me that they've tried and they could not. Do you, do you know who I am? Do you know where I'm coming from? Do you know the glory I carry and the glory my world is about to see? Remember, the real topic here was unbelief. Jesus was using this to teach his disciples that there will be big things that will confront you. That big thing is not big demon. It's big unbelief. And big unbelief is the demon of Mark, Mark chapter 9. Because I'm going to show some intelligence for demonology and deliverance ministry from this verse. Bible-based. There is no big demon. There is only big unbelief. Of course, we know of stratas and caders. But remember, who is the boss of the heavenly court? Who is the boss of the heavenly court? If you don't understand that question, <laughs> then you need to go back to last month's teaching on discernment. Somebody say, glory to God. Now, verse 20, follow. It says, then they brought him to him. I love this. They brought the boy to Jesus. And when he, the boy, saw him, Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him. Can you see what is going on here now? This thing has gained confidence. This thing didn't come with this confidence. But seeing the disciples struggle, Seeing all of them say, out, out, 
shouting, sweating. The thing was growing in confidence. He said, wow, I thought this thing was in their heart. No wonder it's actually in their head. The enemy doesn't know. He doesn't know it's your conviction in the moments of reckoning, your words and your thoughts that emanate in that season of reckoning. That's what shows us the real state of your heart. This thing had grown bigger in the space of which Jesus was away. Remember, rather than showing glory, they were arguing and disputing and the demon was feeding on the unbelief and it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and had the audacity that when it met Jesus, if, hear me now, if the moment that man had shown up, he met Jesus, the confidence of that foul spirit was not this high. It had fed on that fear, fed on that unbelief. Child of God, keeping unbelief in your heart and preserving an atmosphere of fear feeds these things that are tiny begin to grow big. It had the audacity seeing Jesus. The thing convulsed again, did another show, was trying to now scare Jesus. <laughs> hey, the way it might try to scare you. It says, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Intel number two. Intel number two for those sensing a call to deliverance ministry and dealing with demons. After the demon did all those, just imagine like martial arts. You know those martial arts movies you, you used to watch? We want to fight, you know. This person will do all their moves. That person will do all their moves, you know. And the fight has not even started. That's what this swollen Foul spirit did. Did all of the conver con conversion, con what do I want to say now? All the gymnastics convulsed the boy. Trim on the ground, foaming at the mouth. All of that was to make Jesus to say, wow, this is really bad. This is really, really, really bad. That was the goal. Now look at what happens in the next verse. So he asked his father. Jesus ignored the thing completely. Those who have matured in deliverance ministry know whenever a foul spirit does theatrics, what they are seeking is attention. After feeding on fear, fear is like 50,000 calories, but attention is like 5,000 calories. Somebody saying, PJ, how do you know these things? Ask me at the Bible town hall. Fear is the real one that grows them massively. Unbelief, it pumps, swells them. But the thing now knows that, well, Jesus is here. I might not be able to get that big meal of fear and unbelief, but let me even get some attention. So he does theatrics, Jesus ignores it. What we do in the church today is we will now give it microphone. We'll give it mic. And the, these things love attention. Never forget what T.L. Osborne said. He said, if the enemy wants attention, let him go buy, pay for his own stadia, <laughs> plan his own crusades, and see how easy it is. Share his own flyers and gather the crowds together. We won't do all of this and now give a demon microphone to start talking. I am the chief demon from the seventh level of the order of the coast. And Christians love all of that. Read your Bible. Feed your word. Build conviction in your heart. No. Somebody from water has a message. That's what people want to run to. Message from water. X. Ex-water principality converts. Come and listen. Verse 21, Jesus ignores. Boy, all of that theatrics. Jesus says, you, you, do, you don't know who you are dealing with. I'm hoping someone is receiving the word this evening. Do all your theatrics all over again. I will not even dignify you. You are only an instruction of faith away forever. 
So he asked his father, how long has this been happening? Ignoring the, the, the thing completely. He said from his childhood, what a wicked devil. You know, you, you, the, the spirit and the anointing flows more when there is real compassion. From his childhood. From his childhood. The plan was to waste this destiny. The plan was to waste this destiny. Those that should have possessed, been in possession of the power to deliver, they were arguing and deliberating with the scribes, causing a sin, and the child was still afflicted. They every minute a rest, but they could not enter into it. I'm sure that that question oozed compassion from the heart of Jesus. It says he has thrown him into both the fire, into the water, and then the man again signs Jesus a check of unbelief. He says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Unbelief pushes you out of the faith lane where you are sure God can do it. It pushes you to the lane of maybe, maybe not. Perhaps will you, peradventure, if you can, that is, that is in, in today's church, is really normalized speaking. Um, so, uh, we are just hoping we have those things are not statements of faith. I know whom I have believed. I am persuaded. I am holding on to his word. This is what he has said. This thing has not gone the bread pathway now. It has found its way from my mouth to my heart. The word is near thee. It's not just in your mouth. It has found its way to a place of conviction. Let my reality be a lie. This is the truth of God's word in this moment of adversity. I'm not going to turn my back on him right now. If anything, I'm going to hold on to my convictions and I'm going to insist on his word until it becomes my reality. That is the speakings of faith not if you can if just maybe oh god there are even prayers like that prayers of unbelief but thank god for his mercy you know teachings like this will humble you i make you go back and say father thank you a lot of the things i've seen in my life they are products of your mercy where you really want me to be is on the faith lane Remember the technology for dominion in the kingdom from the kingdom series. So verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, don't, don't sign me that check of uh, if you can do. Is, is, Jesus is saying, no, if you can believe. The man who came here had some level of conviction. The reality on ground now has affected your conviction. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out with tears. Lord, I believe. Those listening on audio might not see this. So let me insert words. Lord, I believe in my head. He didn't tune into this service that belief really is not in the, in the domain of the head. It begins there. The word is near you. But if you don't translocate it, a power surge can delete it. Lord, I believe in my head. There is a reason I left my house. There is a reason I brought him to you. There is a reason I'm joining the fast. There is a reason I'm plugging in. There is a reason my expectations. I know of the promise of that rest. I believe, but help my own belief. Now the, situ the situation on ground has revealed the true state of my heart. Help my own belief. So when Jesus saw, you know, you might not understand verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit. Please, let me switch to another version. Let me switch because running together is King James English. Let's switch. Let's go to the NLT. The father instantly cried out, I do believe. 
Help me overcome my unbelief. The fear of this multitude. The comments on social media. All these tweets. I, I, I opened this same Instagram, this Twitter, believing, expecting a great day. But I've just fed myself, fed myself with the deliberations and the arguments of the multitude. This is what all my followers are saying. This is what is trending. I, I, they said all these miracles are fake. These things are staged. All these pastors are liars. I, I came here believing. Help my unbelief. Verse 25. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing. Can you see what that is now? When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing. He rebuked that thing. There was a hope for that thing that I can't. I can feed off the fear, the anxiety, the unbelief in the crowd and begin to grow in my size. This Jesus is too, <laughs> is too much of a master. His own heart is full. He's a carrier of glory. Boy, spirit without measure. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you out of this child. Lesson number three, four. Deliverance ministers. <laughs> you know, I said there's intel, there's direction, there are lessons in today's teaching. Come out of this child never to enter him again. You know, when you put scriptures by scriptures, and you remember where Jesus says, a demon spirit leaves a person, goes to the arid desert places, and he's just there, waiting just buying time to see if this person will now, because see, we must teach people not just how to receive their miracle, but how to keep their miracles and to sustain their victory. That having experienced that deliverance by, by, by an act of power, you are brought into a lane of wisdom, of living the faith life. The testimony you gave was a real testimony. Jesus did it. But if you are not taught, he says he goes to the dry places with a view to returning to just check. Says he sees the place garnished, furnished. He says, wow, wow, <laughs> what, a, what a great host you are. Instead of coming back alone, he says he looks for stronger, <laughs> stronger. He's, I can imagine an ad online saying, host now ready for, for us again, but this time it's no longer in one bedroom. <laughs> it's now a multi-unit. Guys, are you free? It was doubt that left. It was fear that left. He says, diabetes, are you free? There's space here. Cause all sorts. You know, these things are in scriptures. And when people sit, they'll say, God, where were you? You know, we even testified. It was as though things were changing, but it now turned. You, the, 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 boy. But look at the instruction Jesus gives here. It says, go out never to return. Do you know what this means? In the entire history and life of this foul spirit, wherever he sees this boy, he's, he's going far. No matter how furnished and garnished it is, that's one, that's one. Cannot return. Child of God, do you know the authority in your mouth? Do you know the authority you carry? Do you know the authority in your mouth? I believe, help thou my unbelief. This is why Jesus will get to a place, he will say, can, can the people go outside? These things feed on fear. They feed on, on, on anxiety. They feed on the attention. It says he saw the crowds gathering. He saw the followers. He saw that the, that, that, that the world was getting too postmodern. We were beginning to almost rewrite scriptures. Definitely not to republish Bibles, but to begin to reinterpret it in a way that God is maybe not as powerful and maybe not as reliable. And maybe once in a while we will see these things and sometimes we will not 
not see them. And he's saying, lest you begin to rewrite scriptures. He says the, the, the crowds were increasing and he spoke to its authority. The word is near you, in your mouth and your heart. You must not live. You cannot afford to live by bread alone. You must begin to prioritize every word. Hear me? You might say, oh, PD, I'm fine. My life is actually... Everyone, unless... If you, are, if you are on this side of eternity long enough, the moment of reckoning is coming. And what is really in your heart will come out. If you, your life has been a bread life, there will be nothing there. Well, you will learn next week that there is nothing that is truly called <laughs> nothing. There is always something there. It's just that it is not you that put it there. Hmm. Some of us, the teachings this month, you can lock yourself somewhere and say, Precious Holy Ghost, if only one person on the earth enters into the all around rest that you have promised, I will sit with your word. <laughs> I will sit and insist on your word. Somebody say, Glory to God. Somebody say, Glory to God. Hmm. So as we begin to round up this evening, we are saying that there are two locations. There are two locations. The faculty of your, your mental faculty and head information does not have the capacity to believe. It can begin from there. But the goal is for conviction to be in your heart. James chapter 1, all right, just to, 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 to make this really, really crystal clear for someone who is still struggling with some of these thoughts. James chapter 1, verse 6 to verse 8. It says, but let him ask in faith, in context here, Apostle James was instructing us that you cannot afford to live a life without wisdom. Your father has lots of it. Ask. But he's giving us a principle, not just for asking for wisdom, but asking for anything and everything in this kingdom, how you enter into the full, remember, it says that it's been from the foundation of the world and that promise still remains. That good news is still valid. That there is a rest you can enter to. In your life there is a rest you can enter to. In your home there is a rest you can enter to. In your family there is a rest you can enter to. In your finances there is a rest you can enter to. Concerning the works of your hands there is a rest you can enter to. That promise still remains. It says, but as you begin to progress to enter in, you can, it says, verse 6, James chapter 1, let him ask in faith, not doubting. I'm reading from the New King James. With no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, unstable. It says, let not that one suppose. This is like saying, they will see no great works. It could do no mighty works. It says, they should not expect to receive anything. Is a double-minded. So, can you see that double mind now? The double mind that is in disagreement. It's saying your head and your heart do not agree. Your mouth, your, your, your head is saying Jesus heals. Your heart is saying, hmm, hmm. You already see, let me say, let me, let, me, let me just say this. And in fact, even outside of Bible, a lot of people who have learned to be peak performance achievers in our world today, you hear them say things, especially in motivation circles, neuroscience, psychology, you hear them say things like, do it afraid. 
what they are saying is that subconsciously believe enough to override your head. There might still be fear, and, and as much as we do not preach neuroscience or psychology, wherever they are in alignment with God's word, we emphasize it. Wherever there is a, 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 a departing from God's word, we flag it. But in this case, it is very spiritual. If there is a place you should have conviction, it is in your heart. Even if you doubt in your head and you believe in your heart, you are operating in deep conviction that will override your reality. Rather than, and, and the worst place, obviously, is no conviction in the heart, no conviction in the head. <laughs> That's what the, the psalmist says. It is the fool that says in his heart that there is no God. He is a double-minded man. <laughs> if, you, if you follow Pastor Matthew, on the morning glow, anywhere you will have heard him give the Greek for this double-minded dai suki. Your head and your heart in disagreement. Unstable. Unstable. If there's a place you want your files saved, it is in your heart disk. You want solid convictions in your heart. Solid convictions in your heart. Which is why Jesus says in Mark chapter 11 and verse 23, as we begin to tie this up now, because what I want you to leave this evening with is I want to look at these files, these things I have come to believe. These words I've been exposed to, where are they? Are they in my head or are they in my heart? How, how can you tell? The way you can tell is in the moment of adversity. What was your first response? When the doctor said, mm, what was your first response? When the interest rate went, mm, what was your first response? When the test reports returned, what was your first response? That, those are the things that show you where this thing is, where the files are stored. You only need a power surge to tell for us to know if it's been safely archived in the place, in the seat of conviction. So Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty three. don't worry, we, we, you, you cannot teach Bible faith without coming to Mark 11. So I want to have, because what we're really talking about is unmasking. We want to make it naked and exposed, unbelief, so that you will stop feeding it. And you will start feeding the right pathway, beyond, beyond bread. In fact, the, I don't know if I should say this. Maybe I should. It will bless somebody. There is a level of bread that you eat that nourishes your body. There is a way you can go beyond that level. That the more you now begin to consume, you've, you've entered now into gratification of the flesh. You are now giving it muscles. You are no longer feeding the body now. You have gone beyond feeding the body to feeding the flesh. The things that your flesh likes. What is the flesh? We'll talk about that. Hmm, boy, your, your flesh is not just your body. More food, more sleep, all these things that gratify. Those are conducive environments that, that block Every word from reaching the place of conviction. Therefore, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, boy, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Why? Because your head, your eyes will say, how can, how can, how can, number one, why are you talking to a mountain in the first place? Was it not the way Jesus saw, saw the, the, the fig tree? And says, Jesus answered and said to it. That means the, the thing spoke first. So don't deceive yourself that you cannot speak to things. Things are already speaking to you. <laughs> things are speaking to you. 
Life is speaking to you. Reality is speaking to you. The economy is speaking to you. Your health is speaking to you. Medicine is speaking to you. Pop culture is speaking to you. All these things are saying things. What will your response be? It says, and Jesus responded to it. Oh, but it was not even the season. You, 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 you don't understand what glory. Glory is all season. Ah. It says, whoever. You know, sometimes the Spirit of God shines light on some words. Whoever. The disciples didn't know this. They thought it had to be Jesus. Maybe Peter, James, and John. It had to be P.D. Even if P.D. is not around, I know we're in good hands. We're in good hands. What if the pastors too are not around? It says whoever. is 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 democratizing this. It's opening it up fully. It says you can function at this very high, sophisticated realm of conviction in the heart. If you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, you may doubt in your head. That's fine. You may doubt in your head. It says, but if you do not doubt in your heart, but you believe those things which he says will be done, he says he will have whatever. He says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. There are two events. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Let your heart take delivery first. Eventually, your head will catch up. I believe. Help thou my unbelief. If that man found a way to reverse it and says, based on circumstances, I actually don't see this being feasible again. That means in my head now, it doesn't make sense, but I believe in your ability. The master is here now. The master is here now. So for someone who is mathematical, you're already thinking of helping PD construct a table. Head and art. Unbelief, unbelief. Unbelief, belief. All right? Belief, unbelief. And belief, belief. That's a nice exercise. I now begin to attach scriptures to it. I now look at yourself. You, do, you look at the promise of rest in every area of your life. Remember, the plan is all around. And you are very sincere. Where am I really? Where am I in all of this? My, my heart speaks. It's, 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 there is an F. Boy, there is, a, there, is a, there is a true revealing in the moment of reckoning. So we tie up this evening. We tie up this evening. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter. I, I trust that someone has received uncommon light this evening. And you are not going to allow the crowds. You are not going to allow the multitudes. You are not going to allow social media to infect you with that, with, with that stronghold of unbelief. You are not going to take it. You are going to say, no, no, no. Like Jesus, you say, please, can, can you guys go out, please? May I block you, please? May I mute you, please? Boy, next week is going to be so powerful because we're now going to say that I want to store things in my head. I want to store things in my heart. PD, can you show us from scriptures how to begin to store these things? Because the day of reckoning is coming. And I want the words and thoughts that come out <laughs> to directly and indirectly assert that God's word is true. And that his integrity is, is, is sacrosanct eternally. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. 
Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. I read all the way. It says, keep your heart. Another version says, guard your heart. If we were having an in-person service, I would have done a, a simple test. Many people read this verse as, guard your heart for out of it springs. No. It says, keep your heart with all diligence. I believe that's the main emphasis. Another version says, with all vigilance. He, he's saying that assume the role of a law enforcement agent. Because these things are going into places. These words, these thoughts, this impute, they are being filed in places. It's either building faith or it's building doubt. It's either building convictions or it's stemming and feeding unbelief. He says, out of it, spring the issues of life. <sighs> I can imagine someone saying, what do you mean? So he says in verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth. Put away from you. It begins to tell you the way to the heart is the mouth. Not the pathway of food. The pathway of words. The pathway of words. In, in science, they will tell you there is a conscious mind and there is a subconscious mind. That is science's best way to explain the head and the heart. And they will tell you, really, your life will follow the direction of your most predominant subconscious thoughts. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. This thing is shaping things in your heart. Don't, 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 don't just say it's just nice talk. It's, it's just, you know, it, it's not just that. It says there's vigilance, there's diligence involved in doing this work. It says in verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Does it sound like James to you? And your, eye, your eyelids look right before you, gazing intently into the perfect law of liberty. Verse 26 says, ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right. Does it sound like James again? Or to the left, remove your foot from evil. Oh, I pray that someone under the sound of my voice, you will be the one where the stronghold of unbelief is broken. In the name of Jesus, every corrupt file, every virus that has been stored, saved in the hard disk of your heart, and the enemy is saying, let them keep going to church. Let them keep hearing messages. Let them keep waking up to pray as far as the real files in the places where it matters are corrupt. And the enemy is counting on it. We come bearing good news today that the light of the Holy Ghost in this season of his guiding light shines on that heart, begins to extract, begins to purge, begins to cleanse, begins to do a heart renovation, a heart surgery that none of us will be victims of spiritual heart failure. In the mighty name of Jesus and in every way that we've been careless with our gates, in every way that we've sucked in the thoughts of the multitudes, we've sucked in the opinions of the scribes, we've taken from people who don't believe in our Jesus. We've allowed unbelievers to be the ones forming and shaping our mindsets. Oh, we claim to consciously believe, but subconsciously we're as far away as far can be. In the moment of adversity, releasing words of fear, words of death. Oh, I come as one sent and decree a reversal this moment. In the name of Jesus, that whatever has convinced you that your life is all bread and has made you to ignore every word that proceeds by the authority 
the name of Jesus that yoke is broken and that the makings of a champion, the makings for one who will operate in dominion, the one whose heart is filled with conviction, like, like the apostle, you'll be able to say, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. You can put me in a ship, you can put me in a prison, you can put chains on my hands, you can ship me to Rome, you can put me before Agrippa, you can even wrap a serpent around my hand, even venom can try to make it into this blood but I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that nothing shall by any means harm me that nothing can shake me, I can come in contact with deadly things, I can hold on to his word, I have believed it, Rafa is not just a, 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 a nice sounding song he is my healer is my joy El Giboy is the mighty one I pray for you the discipline for the journey from information to revelation in partnership with the Holy Ghost really our belief conviction comes is when the Holy Spirit begins to breathe on the words you've taken into your heart then revelation begins to come revelation begins to come I pray for us as a family we will not be an arguing church we will not be a debating church. We'll be a church of glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe it, wherever you are, I just want you to raise your hands to heaven and say, thank you, Jesus. This word is for me. My life will never remain the same. My home, my family will never remain the same. Transformation has come. Light has come. I will never remain the same. Thank you, gracious Father. Glory be unto your name. For in Jesus' name, we are prayed. Cannot wrap up a service like this without giving someone an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of their lives. I don't know if you're under the sound of my voice. Like that man, you've believed before. You believed in Jesus. You showed up in church. You did the routines. But then something happened and you're like, God, you mean you will sit there in heaven and watch this happen? You felt hurt. You felt offended. Hmm. The posture of your heart received a big dent, a, a massive power surge. And you've walked away. You've thrown in the towel. I pray for you this evening for healing in your heart and restoration of the light you once saw, the love you once felt, that there will be healing, healing, healing. Healing, healing for you. Healing. Yes, that anointing is flowing right now. Healing, restoration. Many of us are just, we are just well packaged on the outside, deep inside. Hurts, wounds, stabs. There is healing flowing in this room right now. I want to pray with you. It might be your first time or you are rededicating your life. I want to pray with you. If you would say with me, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you. Come on, say it. That's where it begins. I believe in you. I believe in you. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for taking my place in the grave. I know you are alive today. I confess you as Lord and Savior. I receive eternal life in my spirit and the grace to live the rest of my days for you. Thank you for writing my name in the book of life. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen, 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 and amen. Glory to God. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. 
And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at KICCCanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember you are a champion. God bless you.